0: We're going to continue our series that we began together last Sunday entitled Believe the Miracle of Christmas and we began talking about really how important it is that we believe, right? That we believe in the miracle of Christmas, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, and that when we put our faith and our confidence and our hope in that little, what I would say little, that miraculous miracle, not a little miracle. I mean, there's no such thing as little miracles, right? There's actually big miracles. When we put our faith in the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ, it automatically sets a precedence for some things that we have to believe, right? So when I believe in the miracle of Christmas, I have to believe in some other things that just come in alignment with that simple act of faith of trusting in and believing in the miracle that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day and he now forever uh, is seated at the right hand of God the Father where the Bible says he intercedes for me and you and one day he's coming again. Amen? And uh, so when we believe in that miracle of Christmas, all of a sudden, some amazing things begin to happen. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look in Luke chapter 1, and I shared last Sunday that we're going to kind of take a spiritual journey uh, through the Christmas story from the Bible. We're going to look at some of the different excerpts of the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, and we're going to kind of back up just a little bit and do a little backstory this morning, leading up uh, to uh, the... the uh, Uh, the miracle of the conception of Jesus Christ in the wound of the Virgin Mary. And we're going to see some awesome things today uh, in the story of Christmas. So Luke chapter 1, 5 through 7, and then we're going to jump down and read verses 11 through 31. So the Bible says this, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of Abani, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. And they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Verse 11 says, while Zachariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zachariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. And he will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, and it is he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I want to stop right there for just a second. I want to interject something uh, that I really felt like the Holy Spirit quickened in my heart and that's simply this. I want you to recognize from this story that when we refuse to believe what God says, unbelief silences us. Unbelief silences us. Zachariah did not believe the report that the angel gave and because of that the Bible says he was silenced until John the Baptist would be born. And I want you to understand that I really believe we've had a silent church for a long time. That we've had a silent church. What do I mean by that? I simply mean that there are, there are too many Christians that are remaining silent. And I believe we're silent because we don't believe. We don't know what we believe, we don't know why we believe, and we don't have a genuine faith in the Lord that compels us to speak up and speak out and how many of you understand that there needs to be a voice of truth and a voice of righteousness in our families in our communities and on our jobs but if you don't believe guess what you won't speak and I want to encourage you this morning as we go through this series and we talk about the importance of believing Believing in the miracle of Christmas, believing in the message of the gospel, it is so significant because God, I really believe, wants to give voice back to the church so that we become a sound that declares the glory of who God is. So that everywhere we go, we are not silent, but we are outspoken, not in pride or in arrogance, but in the, under the humility and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to boldly declare who Jesus is. Amen. And so Zechariah didn't believe, and because of his unbelief, the Bible says he was silenced. Look at the next verse, verse 21. All that was free, by the way. That was a little extra today. (laughs) Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them, and they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you confused and disturbed Mary tried to think what the angel could mean don't be afraid Mary the angel told her for you have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus and he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end and Mary asked the angel but how can this happen I'm a virgin and the angel replied the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Look at that first point on your outline. So when we believe... In the miracle of Christmas, right? We said last week that when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, it sets the precedence for some other things that we have to believe, right? Because if I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, look at that next point, then I have to believe that the impossible is possible, right? And we talked about that last Sunday. We said, if I believe in the miracle of Christmas, then I have to believe that the impossible is possible. Why? Because we said that mathematically, scientifically, medically, and naturally, it was impossible for Jesus to be born to a virgin to fulfill 61 prophecies, to do the things that he did, to live the sinless life and to accomplish all the things he accomplished. In the natural realm, it was impossible, but we believe it happened, amen? And we believe it happened not just because we have a blind faith, but because we have a living faith that says the evidence proves that Jesus is who Jesus says he is, amen? And so if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe. In the impossible you can't believe in the Christmas story and not believe that impossible things are possible you can't do it it's impossible right and so we recognized last week that that we have to begin we said to believe again right we said the reality is not that we don't have enough faith we have enough faith because if you have enough faith to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ you have enough faith to believe for anything right if you can believe that a virgin can conceive and have a child and that that virgin birth was prophesied over 700 years before he was born, if you can believe that, then you have enough faith to believe that God can heal you, God can deliver you, God can save you, God can restore you, God can rescue you, and God can use you to touch the world and change the world and make a difference in somebody else's life. Why? Because if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you believe that the impossible is possible so we said the problem is not that we don't have enough faith the problem is we just have to activate or exercise our faith and begin to believe again right we said we got to begin to believe again for the impossible we can't lower the bar because we haven't seen things happening the way we wanted them to happen. If we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to raise the bar again. And begin to believe again that God is going to do what God said he could do. Because God is God. Amen? Amen? Now the second thing we have to believe, I want you to look at this. When we believe in the miracle of Christmas, look at that next point on your outline. We have to believe four things today. We have to believe that God knows. That God sees. That God hears. And that God cares. When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that God knows. What does God know? God knows who you are. When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that God sees. What does God see? Well, God sees everything, but God also sees the good that you do. When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that God hears. What does God hear? God hears the prayers that we pray, right? And God cares about us. Let's talk about those four things real quick. I want to look again at our scripture we just read. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 13. It says, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And verse 26 and 27 says, And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man, Joseph, a descendant of King David. You can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God knows who you are. See, the Bible says that God knew who Mary was, and God knew who Joseph was, and God knew who Elizabeth was, and God knew who Zechariah was. He knew who they were. And you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God knows who you are because he does. God knows who you are. And here's what's also awesome about that story, as we just read, is not only does God know who we are, God knows where we are. Right? The Bible says the angel showed up in the sanctuary by the altar of incense when Zechariah was in the temple serving the Lord. He knew right where Zechariah was. When the angel showed up to Mary, he knew right where she was. When the angel showed up to Joseph, he knew right where he was. And I want to just say to you today, you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God doesn't know who you are and God doesn't know where you are. See, because sometimes we believe, man, God doesn't know. God, you don't don't see what's going on. You don't know really where I'm at. And so many times we almost feel invisible. We almost feel like we don't matter. We almost feel like we're going through this life and we're in this little vacuum all by ourselves and we're just struggling and we're just fighting and we're just doing all the things we know to do to get through another day and it seems like God doesn't even know that I exist. But I want to promise you today that if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that God knows who you are. Because let me just say this to you today, one of the challenges we have as New Testament Christians is that we are familiar with the stories of the Bible, and we just automatically know people in the Bible, right? And so we've heard about Zechariah, we've heard about Elizabeth, we've definitely heard about the Virgin Mary, and we've heard about Joseph. But let me just tell you this, before the Virgin Mary had a statue of herself in every Catholic church on the planet, (laughs) she was just a virgin in a little town that nobody knew her name. And before Joseph became the father of Jesus, the son of God, he was Joe the carpenter that you called when there was something broke at your house. In other words, Joseph was the Mike Shaw of Liberty Church. He wasn't this famous guy. He wasn't this amazing guy. He was an ordinary guy doing what ordinary guys do. They get up every day, they go to work, they provide for their family, they care for the people around them, and they serve God the best they know how to. Joseph was just Joe the carpenter. Mary was just Mary the teenage girl in a little town. Zachariah and Elizabeth was just what we would call the pastor and the pastor's wife. They were just ordinary people. But God knew who they were. And God knew where they were. And here's what's awesome. And God even knew their name. When the angel showed up, he said, Zachariah, your wife Elizabeth. When the angel showed up, he said, Mary, God has sent me to you. When the angel showed up, he said, Joseph, God has told me to tell you this. I want you to know something today. God knows you. God knows where you are and God knows your name. You're not invisible. You're not insignificant. You are relevant and you are important. To the great story that God wants to tell. You matter to God. You matter to God. And you have to believe that. Well, Pastor Keith, I just feel like I don't matter to anybody. That's such a lie from the enemy. You matter to God. You matter to God because he knows who you are. He knows where you are. He sees you this morning at Liberty Church. And he knows your name. He knows your name. not as God know you but God I want you to see this next part God sees look at this next verse Luke 1 6 and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations they were righteous in what God's eyes God saw you can't believe in the miracle Christmas and not believe that God sees but let me, let me just tell you this to you. The Holy Spirit really checked my heart this week. He said, Keith, I want you to make sure you clarify this thought. Most Christians believe that God sees all their mistakes, all their failures, and all their shortcomings. We believe that wholeheartedly. Right? Every time we screw up, oh yeah, God saw that. Every time we mess up, oh yeah, God saw that. I lost my temper with my wife, God saw that. See, we we don't have a problem believing that God sees our mistakes, our failures, and our shortcomings. But the Lord said this to me today. He said, Keith, he said, "I I want you to challenge the people to put that on the side. He said, because I'm not an angry God in heaven that's waiting on you to mess up. I'm a loving, heavenly father that is looking for an opportunity to applaud you. I'm looking for an opportunity. applaud you. God sees yes he sees our mistakes but you know what God does see? God also sees our hard work God also sees our faithfulness. God also sees the compassion and the care and the little acts of kindness. God also sees the little things that you do. And you know what? So many times in our world we feel like, man, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm doing all this stuff. And nobody sees and nobody cares and nobody ever says thank you. I want you to understand, God sees everything thing that you do. He sees the good that you do. He sees the sacrifice that you made. He sees the tears that you have shed as you have prayed. He sees the determination and the perseverance. He's not looking for your faults and your failures. He is looking for reasons to (laughs) applaud you because God sees who you are and he sees the good that you do. One of my favorite stories, and I've told it several times, but I just love the story. I'm going to tell it again today. Y'all just bear with me, okay? Joel Olstein's dad, his name was John Olstein. he started Lakewood Church out in Houston, Texas. And John Olstein tells this story. He said years ago they were pastoring the church and God was doing some great things. And he said one of his elders had a son who was playing high school football. And he said every week for the first five six weeks of the season, he'd just come in and talking about how great his son was, how great his son was, how great his son was. And he said so finally one Friday night he got to go to the football stadium with the elder in his church to watch his son who was playing quarterback in the football game that night. And he said, he said, I'll never forget, I was sitting there next to that dad, and he was so proud, and he had been talking his son up. He said, his son got down behind the center on the first play of the game. He said, Hud, he took the ball. He took one step back to the right. He took one step back to the left, and he got sacked and lost three yards. He said, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? This guy spent the last six weeks bragging on his son. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. He said, while well, I was sitting there wondering, what was I going to say to this elder? He said, about that time, That dad elbowed me. And he said, John, did you see those two good moves? Did you see those two good moves? I want to tell you something. God's not up in heaven looking at the fact that you lost three yards. God's up in heaven saying, Man, did you see those two good moves? Did you see those two good moves? Did you see that care that he showed? Did you see that compassion that they gave? Did you see that love that they shared? Did you see that gift that they gave? Did you see those good moves? That's the God we serve. And God sees the good that you're doing. And we need to believe that. We need to believe that God sees the good. The third thing I want you to see is not only does God know us, not only does God see, but God hears. Look at that next scripture, Luke 1, 13. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. And your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. John here is John the Baptist, in case you didn't know that. And he says, God has heard your prayer. You can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe in answered prayer. Because the story of Christmas is is wrapped up in the fact that John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, who was the last Old Testament prophet, who was the one who was going to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, who was the fulfillment of prophecy because Elijah had to come before Jesus could be born. Right? John the Baptist was the result of answered prayer. And there is no Christmas story if God doesn't hear prayers. There is no Christmas miracle if God doesn't answer prayer. There is no story of the virgin birth if God doesn't answer prayers. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that God hears when we pray. Well, Pastor Keith, I've been praying for a long time, a long time, a long, long time, and nothing has happened. Well, join the club. Join the club, right? Zachariah and Elizabeth, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how old they were, but the Bible says that they were old. Now, when the Bible calls you old, how many you know you're old? They were old, right? They were old, and they had been trying their entire married life to have children. Because in the culture that Elizabeth and Zachariah lived, for a woman not to have a child was a shame and a disgrace. Many times they were even considered to be cursed by God if you couldn't have children. And so since the moment they got married, they tried to conceive and they tried to conceive and they tried to conceive and they prayed and they tried 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 and years went by. And then one day an angel shows up and says, God's heard your prayer. Now, if you go back to the book of Daniel, you find out something interesting. An angel shows up to Daniel after 21 days that he'd been praying. And you know what the angel said to Daniel? He said, from the first time you prayed, God sent me. From the first day you cried out, God began to release the answer. And this is what the Lord just quickened in my heart I want to share with you today. Delay is not denial, and this is what I want you to hear. Delay is not denial, but the Lord said this. He said, Keith, many times the delay is a divine setup. Because Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. One translation says ask or even imagine. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or imagine. And that's what he did with Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were asking for a son, but you know what God gave them? He gave them a prophet. They were asking for somebody that could carry on the family name, but God gave them a son who 2,000 years later, I'd be declaring the name of John the Baptist. They wanted a child. God wanted a prophet. They wanted a son. God wanted a legacy. See, we think natural, God thinks spiritual. We think temporal, God thinks eternal. And when God hears and delays, you can know that delays are not denials. Delays are divine setups because God's going to do something bigger than you were asking Him to do. Amen? And if you and I will be honest, right, I mean, we all know, right, there was that country song a few years ago, I thank God for unanswered prayers. How many of y'all are thankful for a few unanswered prayers? Anybody? Boy, I am. But let's flip the coin for a minute. How many of you, if you'll be honest, most of us in this room can think back over our lives and we have prayed about things. And you know what? Not only did God answer our prayer, but God answered our prayer in a way that was bigger and greater and grander than anything we could have ever even thought about. But you know what? It doesn't always happen like that. But if we believe that God hears, then we have to believe that God answers. Amen. Amen. And delays are not denials, delays are divine setups, so that God can do exceedingly, abundantly above. I mean, think about it for just a minute. Imagine if your 16-year-old son was asking you for just a little car so I can get back and forth to school in, and you decided, hey, you know what, if we could wait six more months, my son don't know it, but I've been saving money to buy him the dream car that he wants. Now, you know what I know about 16-year-old sons? I got an 18-year-old one. I know that 16-year-old sons, let me just say this, by the way, one time I was a 16-year-old son. You know what I know about 16-year-old sons? They want it, and they want it now. And they're willing to settle. Just get me a car, Daddy. Just get me a car. Just any old car, any kind of car. I just need a car. Everybody else has got a car. I need a car. I want a car. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what drive. I just want a car. God, Daddy, can I just have a car? And all the while, Daddy's thinking, if you'll just wait, I'm not just going to get you a car, I'm going to get you the car that you've been dreaming about as long as you could dream about cars. And isn't that how God works with us? And if we're not careful, we'll just say, God, I want anything, I want But you know what, God, God hears, and if God hears, God answers. And the fact that you believe in the miracle of Christmas means that you have to believe that your prayers are prevailing and God hears your prayers. But not only does God know, not only does God see, not only does God hear, but God cares. I want you to look at this last part. Luke 1, 23 through 25. It says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. Now look at verse 25. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace. Of not having children. He's taken away my disgrace. I want to just say this to you. You can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God cares about you. He cares. Elizabeth had lived her entire married life under a banner of shame. She had been shamed and disgraced. She held her head down most of the time when she got in a group of other women as they talked about their kids and they talked about their grandkids and they talked about their future plans with their children and their grandchildren. And the holiday season came and everybody was talking about the kids coming over and Elizabeth was just silent. Shame and disgrace. But you know what? You know what Elizabeth recognized? She recognized that God cared About her life. God didn't just know who she was. God didn't just see the good things she had done. God didn't just hear the prayers that she prayed. But God actually cared about her. And I want to make a statement to you. And I'm going to table it with a a little thought here real quick. But I want you to understand God not only cares about you. But God cares about what you care about. And God even cares about how you feel. Now God's not moved by your feelings. God is moved by faith. That's why you need to believe that God cares. Because if you don't believe that God cares, you'll never move to a place of faith and you'll live in a place of pity. You ever prayed a pity prayer? Pity prayers don't get answered. Why? Because God's not moved by feeling. God's moved by faith. It's not how sad you are. It's not how much you cry. It's not how long you weep. It's not how broken you are that moves God. It is faith that moves God. But if you understand, God cares about me. God cares about the things I care about. And God even cares about how I feel, even though he's not moved by my feelings. He cares about how I feel. Elizabeth recognized God lifted her shame. Now how many of you understand in the eyes of God, Elizabeth was not less of a woman than any other woman because she hadn't had a child? And when she had John the Baptist, she wasn't more of a woman than any other woman because she had John the Baptist. She was valuable. She was significant. She was important in the eyes of God the entire time. But she felt shame. She felt disgrace. She felt less than. And God cared. God cared about that. Let me just tell you what I know about being a father. And I'm an earthly father, and the Bible says we have a heavenly father who is perfect. But let me tell you what I know about being a father. I know that I care about not only my kids, but I care about what my kids care about. Right as your kids are growing up, they kind of get different interests and hobbies and and ideas. And how many of you understand you don't always like the things your kids like? But you care about what they care about. Why? Because you care about them. And you know what's also true is you, as a good parent, you care about how your kids feel. Now, Jessica's on the front row here, so I'll pick on her. When Jessica was growing up, she was kind of boy crazy. Praise God for Ian. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And she didn't always pick the right kind of guys to date. And so sometimes she would go through a breakup, and she'd be crying, and she'd be upset, and she'd be distraught. And on the inside, I'd be going, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, God. You're so awesome, God. That's what I was doing on the inside. On the outside, I was, baby, it's going to be all right. I love you. We're going to make it through this. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. And again, on the inside, I'm rejoicing. She's crying. I'm shouting. She's crying. I'm rejoicing. But I'm still comforting her. I'm still consoling her. I'm still caring about how she feels even though I'm rejoicing over the fact that she's heartbroken. (laughs) Because that means there's a new season coming. God cares about you just like that. He cares about you. He cares about what you care about. He cares about how you feel. He cares about you. Now, look at this next point. Because this is just so true, right? The world, our flesh, and the devil, right? That demonic trinity trinity, tries so hard to get us to believe that we are unknown, insignificant, and irrelevant. The world, our flesh, and the devil try so hard to get us to believe that we're unknown. Nobody knows who you are. Your boss doesn't know who you are. People at church, they don't know who you are. Nobody really knows you. You're insignificant. You really don't matter. You're irrelevant. Whether you show up or whether you don't show up, it don't mean mean a hill of beans to anybody. Right? We live in a world where there there is an overwhelming epidemic of suicide. And let me tell you what happens in the hearts and minds of many people that attempt suicide. They come to a point where they believe that their life doesn't matter. And then the devil says... And they'll even be better off without you. Because you're just a burden that people have to bear. The world, the flesh, and the devil work so hard to get us to think that we're unknown, we're insignificant, and we're irrelevant. In other words, the devil wants you to believe that you just don't matter. You're not really that important. What you think what you say, who you are, how you live, it really just doesn't matter. Because this is what the devil knows. He knows if he can can get you to believe that you don't matter, that what you do, what you say, how you live is really irrelevant, then he will deceive you into living a self-destructive life that will disconnect you From the love and care and compassion of God. Have you ever tried to hug somebody that didn't want to hug? You ever tried to love somebody that didn't want you to love on them? You ever tried to help somebody that didn't want help? When we believe the lie that we don't matter, we pull back from God and we become that person. God tries to love us and we push him back. God tries to help us, and we push him back. God tries to care for us, and we push him back. Why? Because it is that lie and that deception of the enemy that causes us to pull away from a God who knows, a God who sees, a God who hears, and a God who cares about us. Now look at that last point on your outline. So when we believe, right, when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe, right, four things. We have to believe that God knows our name. Jeremiah 1.5, God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the wound, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nation." Before I formed you, I knew you. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. And God knows your name. You matter to God. Your neighbor might forget your name. Your co workers might forget your name. The usher might forget your name. I might forget your name. But God always knows your name. And He knows where you are. And He knows who you are, and he knows that you matter to him. You matter. God knows your name. And if I believe in the miracle of Christmas, I have to believe that. Why? Because the stories that make up the Christmas story are impossible to happen if God doesn't know our names. The second thing, right? We have to believe that God sees our good works. I love 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, always abounding. Keep on doing the right thing. 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 thing. Why? Because God sees. God sees your good works. God sees your effort. God sees your sacrifice. God sees your commitment. God sees your determination. God sees your endurance. God sees all that you're doing. And the Bible says it's never in vain. It's never vain. Well, Pastor Keith, I've been doing the right thing for a long time, and bad things are still happening. Let me tell you a revelation here today. Sometimes we get a reward now, and sometimes we get a reward later, but every time we get a reward. God is faithful. And sometimes there's a temporal reward, and sometimes there's an eternal reward, but there's always a reward for doing the right thing. There have been martyrs who have died preaching the gospel, doing the right thing, and they died, they were martyred, they were killed for proclaiming Jesus, and they stepped into an eternal reward that could never be taken away. Why? Because God sees. And if you believe that God sees all the good that you do, I don't know about you, it just inspires me to do more good. If I believe that God really sees the good, God's not looking for the bad. Yeah, he'll deal with that. But God's looking for the good. God's looking for those two little good moves. And he wants to applaud you. Because he loves you like a father. Look at that next part. When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that God hears our prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, speaking of God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. This is what John said. If we ask anything according to the will of God, God hears us. And if God hears us, then we know that God is going to answer our prayer. See, you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God hears and answers prayer. Well, Pastor Keith, it's been a long time. Delay is not denial. God is setting you up for something greater, something grander, something bigger. You're asking for a car, God wants you to give you the car <laughs> that you've been believing for. Let's hold on. Let's believe. See, if I believe that God hears my prayers, and guess what happens? I keep on praying. I keep on praying even when I don't see results. I keep on praying even when things don't change. I keep on praying. Why? Because God hears. God knows. God sees. God hears. And last but not least, God cares, right? When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that God cares about every detail of our lives. Let me tell you about my, my kids, my, my two daughters, of course, Jessica and Samantha. They're grown and married. And Levi just graduated this past year. And let me tell you uh, what it means to be a father to me I care about every detail of their life I care about everything there's not one area in their life that I don't care about I never say oh they don't have food to eat this week that's okay I don't really care about that no I care about that I care about every detail of their life there's not one area of their life that I don't care about and I'm an earthly father that's imperfect We have a heavenly Father that is perfect. He cares about every detail of your life. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. There's an old song that says, if his eyes on the sparrow, I know that he is watching over me. If God feeds the birds of the field and God closes, close the flowers of the field, then how much more will he not take care of me and you? God cares. And let me just say this to you today as we get ready to close. The only way... You cannot believe that God doesn't know you, that God doesn't see you, that God doesn't hear you, and that God doesn't care about you is that you have to not believe in the miracle of Christmas. Because if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe those things. Because there is no Christmas story unless God knows, unless God sees, unless God hears, and unless God cares. And if you believe In the virgin birth of Jesus Christ Then today we need to believe again Right We need to believe again Some of you need to believe again that you matter to God Some of you need to believe again that God sees your good works He's not in heaven waiting on you to mess up He is celebrating all the good things you're doing And He sees them all You need to believe again that God hears your prayers Some of you have stopped praying I mean, you pray in casual prayers, you might still be blessing the food, but you're not praying. You're not pressing into God in prayer, and you become discouraged. And God says, if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that I hear your prayers. You need to believe again that your prayers matter. And you need to believe again that God cares about every little detail of your life. And there is nothing too small and there is nothing too big for our God. So let's bow our heads today. And I want to just ask you this question, what do you need to believe again? What do you need to believe again? Do you need to believe again that God knows you? Or that God sees you? Or that God hears you? Or that God cares about you? What we said last week is still true this week. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, the problem is not that you don't have enough faith. The problem is that you haven't been exercising your faith. And so today, we need to believe again that we matter to God. You're not insignificant. You're not unknown. And you're not irrelevant. You matter to God. And with every head bowed and every eye closed as you just kind of do some business right now with God. I want to just talk to every person in this room here today that may be sitting here today and you know in your heart of hearts you've never truly accepted the gift of life through Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your heart and your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You've never embraced by faith the gift of life that God offers through His Son. The Bible calls it being saved or being born again. It really is as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and saying, God, from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sins, rose again so that I could be forgiven and free and have eternal life in a wonderful place called heaven. And I want to believe in Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, you've never done that. But today is the day the Bible says of salvation and right now is the appointed time so if you're here this morning and you want to pray a very simple prayer today and say Pastor Keith today I want to believe in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior I want you to stand to your feet just stand up right now all over this building a simple act of faith I believe I believe in the miracle of Christmas I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and if I'll surrender my life to him today he'll forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and my Savior and give me the gift of eternal life. I want to receive that gift today. If that's you, I want you just to stand real quickly. Just stand to your feet. A simple act of faith that says today I want to believe in Jesus. We're about to pray and we're going to dismiss this service but I want to give you one more moment if you're here today and you've never made that decision. Today is the day of salvation. Now, the Bible says, is the right time. God is dealing with your heart right now. And you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And today you want to stand to your feet and say, today I want to believe. I want to believe. I want to exercise my faith and trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you that today we can believe again that you know us, that you see us, that you hear us, and that you care about our lives. Lord, we matter to you today. And I thank you today, God, for that great love and that great revelation. Lord, may our faith be lifted today. And may we believe again that we matter to you. And we ask it all this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Amen.